Hello and welcome. It's been, uh, it's probably been the longest period that uh, has gone between, between episodes. So, uh, perhaps I've, br- I've broken my own record. <laughs> Positive spin on this. But, uh, of course, I would. Uh, would like to record um, a lot earlier than this but uh, unfortunately my my health has been uh, quite severely impacted especially over the festive season Christmas and New Year and there's been uh, often I, I mean perhaps not share it in detail but uh, there's been I think in a, a journal episode a few episodes ago, I, I think I've gone into a little bit more depth about my mental health, and so unfortunately, it's it's just uh, there's just simply uh, it's just the way the way it's been. Uh, feels a lot of this is just uh, going through the process of allowing or acceptance of. As much as I would ideally like to record each week, um, um, you know, for my own sort of continuity, and also I'm aware of, you know, those of you who um, are following along with a new earth, uh, it would be nice to, to have that sort of that flow of weekly episodes or, you know, or regular, regular episodes of. You know, following the book, so I won't make any promises of you know. Even though I feel like I want to get back to regular um, listening, I feel like I've had this uh, conversation many times with 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 myself and with you with you listening that you know of intentions and um, which is it's it's good. You know, intentions can be good, but perhaps it's just the uh, the acceptance of you know when uh, recording is available it will it will happen um, such as now and perhaps I can acknowledge the nowness of the recording and and perhaps there, there can be some gratitude there and some enjoyment and acknowledgement about just this recording here and now and not worrying about future episodes and Perhaps that uh, that can be let go of in some ways. Uh, so during this time of of um, perhaps I can call it unwellness, time of of feeling unwell, it's been quite severe at times where you know, access to the present moment or uh, or the practice itself of just being present and it's it's not been accessible for me it's been and it's not something I've forced upon myself to do um, I could sense that it wasn't the right thing to do to try and force myself to, to read a book or to watch a video to listen to some you know spiritual teachings it, it, it just felt too much too unbearable um 
So I'm sure there was, you know, glimpses, moments, um, short periods of time of, of being present or having clarity. But uh, overall, it was quite a difficult time for me. Um, um, and it's still, it's still very, I'm still very much in that difficultness, but there's been a little bit of a, a slight bit of spaciousness, a glimpse of being present. So I'm just acknowledging that, okay, there's, there's a, a little bit of spaciousness here and there's enough energy and desire to record. So, so here I am. I was able to, uh, for the first time in a long while, I was able to watch. I watched an, a, a spiritual teaching video yesterday. It was, it was a very old um, Eckhart Tolle video. Um, I think he was at the Omega Center, so something when he was quite um, fairly new to the kind of scene as as being a, a teacher in that regard. Um, and I find those videos very useful to watch. I've watched them several times. I think there's uh, eight episodes in total, eight parts. And, and the video I watched yesterday, um, there was a pointer that I got shared of uh, resisting nothing. Resisting nothing. And he shared examples of, of you know, going into non-resistance where it's, um, it's quite an active um, it's both an active and non-active thing to do non-resisting because it's uh, I think he shared that when you resist something it's a doing there's an effort almost required or there's a there's energy being expelled there's a a, a kind of um, I guess I guess just a doingness to it and with non-resisting it's a letting go it's a not it's in some ways a non-doing and he talked further about you know with non-resistance it's almost a process you go through you have to it's a it's almost a small path um as we're talking about it, it's very easy to think of it as a thought. Okay, yes, non-resistance. Okay, don't resist anything, and it can be very surface level. But it's a very kind of experiential practice where you get in touch with what's going on in this moment, and you you accept the isness of the moment. You accept the isness of it, and in acceptance of the isness, you are no longer resisting. So, I think Eckhart gave an example of turbulence or of or being the unhappy me. As soon as you you experience and you acknowledge in awareness that okay, oh, I'm being, I'm the unhappy me in this moment. Okay, and when you stay with that awareness, it, it almost transmutes into peace. As soon as you're not resisting anything, then then peace naturally arises with that. In the activity of resistance, there's a a contraction, there's an energy, there's a 
egoic energy happening so you're almost it's almost like creating a black cloud in the sky of it covers up the spaciousness in in resisting the energy is pulled in that and in the non non-resisting the cloud dissipates it can no longer survive in non-resistance so that was a very powerful pointer for me it's a great it's what i needed to hear what kind of resonated with me in that time and it seems as though this is how things happen at certain times certain pointers impact us and when others don't and in other times other pointers hit us uh, and other pointers don't for example you know maybe in a few months time i may listen to a talk which has the pointer of non-resistance and it may not hit me the same way as it did yesterday it may not depending on where i am so everything's very fluid as well there's no attachments to even this pointer it's not something i you know you can you need to hold sacred and remember and you know recite every day non-resistance non-resistance it's just okay this is a helpful platform it's a helpful teaching to get to presence and once you're in presence you can almost drop the pointer it's a it's just simply a you know it's exactly what it is it's a signpost so it's it's it, it, there's only a a relative value to it um, the val the true value is it's where it's pointing you to it's the it's the you know the present moment so just wanted to share that briefly before before diving into a new earth and uh, you can uh, pick up to where we where we left off um, so again for me this may seem a bit strange because you know opening up a book and continuing it after a long break can seem a bit disorientating it, it may take a moment to at least for me to plug back into um the reading of this book especially if you're listening to this as it's being released so for you it's been you know a month as well <laughs> of uh, of reading you know picking up from where we left off um and there may be those of you who've got the book and you've just finished it <laughs> you're way ahead you've finished the book already and now you're forced to listen to it again which uh, which may be a good thing it's uh, it's um often when consuming content it's very difficult to process all of it it's uh, it's quite natural to go back to something and picking up on on pointers or sentences that you didn't pick up first time round or didn't didn't hit the same way or didn't acknowledge so i thought with spiritual material it's it's almost uh, you can never read it too much it's always uh, it always has a freshness to it as well um, so let's um, we are in a chapter uh, titled breaking free and this is chapter let's see what chapter this is uh, what I just skimmed past it but let's go to the beginning uh, contents page so it's chapter six I believe and it's a slightly shorter chapter than 
I think the pain body and you know, so we're breaking free. So we are on the section called unhappiness. So we've read um, the section passage titled presence and then we moved on to the return of the pain body and then we also read about the pain body in children so hopefully that brings something back <laughs> i think i mentioned about the pain body in children it's a great passage for those who are parents and uh, it's a great way to understand a child's pain body and how you can nurture um, a child in in their practice um, where it may not be a direct practice of presence but perhaps it's a way of um, where you're not adding to um, the child's ego, egoic energy. And now we are on a title, a passage called Unhappiness, which already feels like an important title for a passage, just by the, just by that one word. <laughs> so let's begin with uh, a passage of unhappiness. Not all unhappiness is of the pain body. Some of it is new unhappiness, created whenever you are out of alignment with the present moment, when the now is denied in one way or another. When you recognise that the present moment is always already the case and therefore inevitable, you can bring an uncompromising inner yes to it and so not only create no further unhappiness but with inner resistance gone find yourself empowered by life itself. The pain body's unhappiness is always clearly out of proportion to the apparent cause. In other words it is an overreaction. This is how it is recognised, although not usually by the sufferer, the person possessed. Someone with a heavy pain body easily finds reasons for being upset, angry, hurt, sad or fearful relatively insignificant things that someone else would shrug off with a smile or not even notice become the apparent cause of intense unhappiness. They are, of course, not the true cause but only act as a trigger. They bring back to life the old accumulative accumulated emotion. The emotion then moves into the head and amplifies and energises the egoic mind structures. Pain body and ego are close relatives. They need each other. The triggering event or situation is then interpreted and reacted to through reacted to through the screen of a heavy, of a heavily emotional ego. This is to say, its significance becomes completely di distorted. You look at the present 
through the eyes of the emotional past within you. In other words, what you see and experience is not in the event or situation, but in you. Or in some cases, it may be there in the event or situation, but you amplify it through your reaction. This reaction, this amplification, is what the pain body wants and needs, what it feeds on. For someone possessed by a heavy pain body, it is often impossible to step outside his or her distorted interpretation, the heavily emotional story. The more negative emotion there is in a story, the heavier and more impenetrable it becomes. And so the story is not recognised as such but is taken to be reality. When you are completely trapped in the movement of thought and the accompanying emotion, stepping outside is not possible because you don't even know that there is an outside. You are trapped in your own movie or dream, trapped in your own hell. To you it is reality and no other reality is possible and as far as you are concerned your reaction is the only possible reaction. And the next passage is titled Breaking Identification with the Pain Body. A person with a strong active pain body has a particular energy emanation that other people perceive as extremely unpleasant. When they meet such a person, some people will immediately want to remove themselves or reduce interaction with him or her to a minimum. They feel repulsed by the person's energy field Others will feel a wave of aggression towards this person and they will be rude or attack him or her verbally and in some cases even physically. This means there is something within them that resonates with the other person's pain body. What they react to so strongly is also in them. It is their own pain body. Not surprisingly, people with heavy and frequently active pain bodies often find themselves in conflict situations. Sometimes, of course, they actively provoke them, but at other times they may not actually do anything. The negativity they emanate is enough to attract hostility and generate conflict. It requires a high degree of presence to avoid reacting when confronted by someone with such an active pain body. 
if you are able to stay present. It sometimes happens that your presence enables the other person to disidentify from his or her own pain body and thus experience the miracle of a sudden awakening. Although the awakening may be short-lived, the awakening process will have become initiated. One of the first such awakenings that I witnessed happened many years ago. My doorbell rang close to 11 o'clock at night. My neighbour, Ethel's anxiety-laden voice, came through the intercom. We need to talk. This is very important. Please let me in. Ethel was middle-aged, intelligent and highly educated. She also had a strong ego and a heavy pain body. She escaped from Nazi Germany when she was an adolescent and many of her family members perished in the concentration camps. Ethel sat, sat down on my sofa agitated, her hands trembling. She took letters and documents out of the file she carried with her and spread them out all over the sofa and floor. At once I had the strange sensation, sensation as if a dimmer switch had turned the inside of my entire body to maximum power. There was nothing to do other than remain open, alert, intensely present, present with every cell of the body. I looked at her with no thought and no judgment and listened in stillness without any mental commentary. A torrent of words came out of her mouth. They sent me another disturbing letter today they are conducting a vendetta against me. You must help. We need to fight them together. Their crooked lawyers will stop at nothing. I will lose my home. They are threatening me with dispossession. It transpires that she refused to pay the service charge because the property managers had failed to carry out some repairs. They in turn threatened to take her to court. She talked for ten minutes or so. I sat, looked and listened. Suddenly she stopped talking, looked at the papers all around her, as if she had just woken up from a dream. She became calm and gentle. Her entire energy field changed. Then she looked at me and said, This isn't important at all, is it? No, it isn't, I said. She sat quietly for a couple more minutes, then picked up her papers and left. The next morning she stopped me in the street, 
looking at me somewhat suspiciously. What did you do to me? Last night was the first night in years that I slept well. In fact, I slept like a baby. She believed I had done something to her, but I had done nothing. Instead of asking what I had done to her, perhaps she should have asked what I had not done. I had not reacted, not confirmed the reality of her story, not fed her mind with more thought and her pain body with more emotion. I had allowed her to experience whatever she was experiencing at that moment, and the power of allowing lies in non-interference, non-doing. Being present is always infinitely more powerful than anything one could say or do, although sometimes being present can give rise to words or actions. What happened to her was not yet a permanent shift, but a glimpse of what is possible, a glimpse of what was already within her. In Zen, such a glimpse is called Satori. Satori is a moment of presence, a brief stepping out of the voice in your head the thought processes and their reflection in the body as emotion. It is the arising of inner spaciousness where before there was the clutter of thought and the turmoil of emotion. The thinking mind cannot understand presence and so will often misinterpret it. It will say that you are uncaring, distant, have no compassion, are not relating. The truth is you are relating, but at a level deeper than thought and emotion. In fact, at that level there is a true coming together a true joining that goes far beyond relating. In the stillness of presence, you can sense the formless essence in yourself and in the other as one. Knowing the oneness of yourself and the other is true love, true care, true compassion. That brings us to uh, the end of that passage as well. I'm tempted to continue reading. Um, I'm not sure if that's out of guilt <laughs> from uh, from not recording in so long, but I also feel perhaps there's a flow we're, we're, that we've stepped into, and the next passage, you know, uh, almost trickles down from the other passages. It's it's titled Triggers, so I feel inclined to uh, to continue this uh, flow as well, to continue the uh, 
it feels like these passages are very closely related. Um, so let's uh, let's go for it. <laughs> so it's titled Triggers. Some pain bodies react to only one particular kind of trigger or situation, which is usually one that resonates with a certain kind of emotional pain suffered in the past. For example, if a child grows up with parents for whom financial issues are the source of frequent drama and conflict, he or she may absorb the parent's fear around money and develop a pain body that is triggered whenever financial issues are involved. The child as a, as adult gets upset or angry even over insignificant amounts of money. Behind the upset or anger lies issues of survival and intense fear. I have seen spiritual, that is to say relatively conscious people who started to shout, blame and make accusations the moment they picked up the phone to talk to their stockbroker or realtor. Just as there is a health warning on every package of cigarettes, perhaps there should be similar warnings on every banknote and bank statement. Money can activate the pain body and cause complete unconsciousness. Someone who in childhood was neglected or abandoned by one or both parents will likely develop a pain body that becomes triggered in any situation that resonates even remotely with their primordial pain of abandonment. A friend arriving a few minutes late to pick them up at the airport or a spouse coming home late can trigger a major pain body attack. If their partner or spouse leaves them or dies, the emotional pain they experience goes far beyond the pain that is natural in such a situation. It may be intense, anguish, long-lasting, incapacitating depression or obsessive anger. A woman who in childhood was physically abused by her father may find that her pain body becomes easily activated in any close relationship with a man. Alternatively, the emotion that makes up her pain body may draw her to a man whose pain body is similar to that of her father. Her pain body may feel a magnetic pull to someone who, is, who it senses will give it more of the same pain. That pain is sometimes misinterpreted as falling in love. A man who had been an unwanted child and was given no love and a minimum of care and attention by his mother developed a heavy ambivalent pain body 
that consisted of unfulfilled, intense longing for his mother's love and attention, and at the same time, intense hatred toward her for withholding what he so desperately needed. When he became an adult, almost every woman would trigger his pain body's neediness, a form of emotional pain, and this would manifest as an addictive compulsion to conquer and seduce almost every woman he met, and in this way get the female love and attention that the pain body craved. He became quite an expert on seduction, but as soon as a relationship turned intimate, all his advances were rejected. The pain body's anger towards his mother would come up and sabotage the relationship. When you recognise your own pain body as it arises, you will also quickly learn what the most common triggers are that activate it, whether it be situations or certain things other people do or say. When those triggers occur, you will immediately see them for what they are and enter a heightened state of alertness. Within a second or two, you will also notice the emotional reaction that is the arising pain body. But in that state of alert presence, you won't identify with it, which means the pain body cannot take you over and become the voice in your head. If you are with your partner at the time, you may tell him or her what you just said or did triggered my pain body. Have an agreement with your partner that whenever either of you says or does something that triggers the other person's pain body, you will immediately mention it. In this way, the pain body can no longer renew itself through drama in the relationship and instead of pulling you into unconsciousness, will help you become fully present. Every time you are present when the pain body arises, some of the pain body's negative emotional energy will burn up, as it were, and become transmuted into presence. The rest of the pain body will quickly withdraw and wait for a better opportunity to arise again, that is to say, when you are less conscious. A better opportunity for the pain body to arise may come whenever you lose presence, perhaps, perhaps after you have had a few drinks or while watching a violent film. The tiniest negative emotion, such as being irritated or anxious, can also serve as a doorway through which the pain body can return. The pain body needs your unconsciousness. It cannot tolerate the light of presence.
And that brings us uh, to the end of that passage there. So a series of passages that talk about different aspects of the pain body and recognizing what keeps you there and recognizing what can free you from the pain body as as the uh, title suggests of uh, the chapter called breaking free so we began with the passage of unhappiness as well and the first sort of uh, note that uh, the first sort of point or sentence that comes out is at the beginning that not all unhappiness is of the pain body that some of it is new unhappiness created whenever you are out of alignment with the present moment so there's always opportunities that um, we can add to our unhappiness or add to our pain body especially if it's not it's not burned away in the present moment because there can be um, unhappiness there can be a moment of misalignment and then there could be like an angry reaction but then there can be an immediate catching of that and immediately that reaction is let go it is not trapped within you but there can be times when you know there's a reaction and it's not noticed and then that becomes almost it binds with the emotional pain body and it, it adds to it as well so it um so both both things um are, are possible there but it's the the being aware that uh, unhappiness there is not always the pain body it could be a a new unhappiness And then it, uh, Eckhart shares that when you recognize that the present moment is always already the case and therefore inevitable, you can bring an uncompromising inner yes to it, which will prevent further unhappiness. It will prevent, um, as we you know, talked about previously, sometimes uh, this happens by coincidence where I share a pointer from Eckhart and it comes up in a chapter so it's come up here as well so with the uncompromising inner yes um, the reason it's uncompromising is because you're aware that's that's all there is it's it can be nothing else but what is happening now the yes to what is happening um, then this uh, breaks uh, inner resistance and then when there's no inner resistance, there is no um, further unhappiness there. And another word for this can possibly, you know, the inner yes, it could be acceptance or allowing as well. You are allowing, okay, this is, this is what's happening. It doesn't matter what it is. Um, I think Eckhart uses some really extreme examples of, you know, of being homeless and You've got 50 pence in your pocket and it's accepting the isness of that moment not accepting the situation you know of being homeless just expect accepting 
okay in this moment there is 50 pence in my pocket in this moment there may be hunger okay so it's you know just accepting what is so you're not adding a you know mental commentary there's no um there's no reaction you know egoic reaction to it egoic story to it um, it's very different to to feel that okay you are you know cold you're hungry okay this is not something i that's pleasant it's something okay i want to i don't want to feel these things to very different to having a mental commentary of uh, you know why is it always so cold or you know i should have brought my coat with me why didn't i bring my coat you know i'm so stupid and you can very quickly you know and it's quicker than a blink of an eye these reactions we have in us as well so the the uncompromising yes is okay this is what is happening here this is all the clothes i have with me it's cold okay you know what actions can i take right now i can oh perhaps i can warm up with walking i can you know power walk back home to retrieve my coat or i can walk into a cafe warm up warm up with a hot drink um so you're 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 acting from the place of yes of acceptance of um of non-emotional reaction um, and he shares he shares almost the uh, the components of pain body or the perhaps uh, components is the wrong word but perhaps the uh, what can influence and in and uh, impose upon the pain body um, so it's said that the pain body and ego are close relatives they need each other the triggering event or situation is then interpreted and reacted to through the screen of a he of a heavily emotional ego so they kind of um empower one another in some in some respects and it's also good to note that as it says here someone possessed by a heavy pain body it is often impossible to step outside his or her distorted interpretation um, and i think this can be related to my personal situation of my recent unwellness it's it's been exactly that um perhaps it's hard to say that it, it's been a, a constant pain body for the last month but there's been very sort of um for me it's been sort of heavy emo in, in mental unwellness i'm not sure if that's the same as just pain body perhaps it's it's neither it's not like black and white it's not either one or the other it, it, it's possibly a combination of both i feel mental illness mental health and pain body but i feel this is a, a good point to to cover as well that once you know if we have a heavy pain body and it's overtaken us that quite often 
uh, it's impossible to step outside of that it's 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 a case of you know when it passes or when it's fed enough on your thinking when it's processed it's gone through its process only then awakening can happen again where so oh you know for the last few hours I was just completely overtaken there I was there was no presence at all I I, I didn't know what happened there um, and it's, it's acknowledging that as well not you know not being hard on ourselves being having sort of a gentle acceptance of this is the nature of pain body especially you know for those of us who have a heavy pain body um, it, it can happen this way and and then Eckhart um, in the following passage we move into breaking identification with the pain body so there's the example of um, Ethel and I always mention this about the stories Eckhart sh shares that how I, I really connect with them and they're a, they're, they're a joy to read um, I think you know we've read a few stories now and I remember sort of the lost ring we talked about that and there's a similar sort of essence of that story as well about the relative importance of our emotional stories and you know um, in this case with Ethel um, of course there's some serious things happening that require her her attention that require her to take action but Eckhart's pointing out the emotional story that is behind this here um, and the relative importance of it that although yes it's an there is some importance to it it's to do with her living situation but it's not life and death um, and the emotional charge and energy is so severe as um, Eckhart mentions out of proportion to what is really happening here you know if we look at what's happening for Ethel it's a dispute over a payment of some kind but of course with the emotional story um, you know uh, as uh, I'll try and quote the language here you know they sent me another disturbing letter today they are conducting a vendetta against me and and so of course it's 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 you know reading this you can feel the charge of the pain body arising of that me versus them they've done you know you know they they keep doing this to me the you know companies and the bureaucracy of it all um and and, and ethel goes on to say you know you must help we need to fight them together there's a uh, that's if there was a language of the pain body there it is you know we need to fight them together um, um yeah so it's such a powerful story there when you know it says here um yeah she talked for 10 minutes or so and it's good. and I'm just going to read what Eckhart's response is when she was talking he says I sat looked and listened so that can be it can seem quite difficult to do because um, it can seem uncaring and you know it can seem that way I think Eckhart goes on to, to, to share that towards the end that you know 
it says here, you know, the thinking mind cannot understand presence and so will often misinterpret it. It will say that you are uncaring, distant, or have no compassion, that you are not relating. And that's so accurate as well, because when someone's talking, you know, it's so automatic to say, you know, that oh, that's terrible what you've been through. And um, um, and in, in a deeper sense, you're trying to say, you know, I, I care about what you're saying. I care about your emotions and of how you feel. And and perhaps um, in this sense, you're not adding to the emotional fuel, which can which can quite often happen. Um, in this case, I got just gave her a full attention and listened, and that uh, presence it transmitted within Ethel as well. You know, Eckhart says said there was almost a non-doing there where he wasn't adding anything to um, Ethel's emotional story. He was, he was almost not giving it fuel, so it almost dwindled. And in that moment of interaction, you know, there was a brief awakening happening there. So that's that's something, you know, I can personally sort of take on board when somebody is going through a difficult time. Um, I remember Ram Das talking about this, where you know he was with somebody. Um, they were kind of giving this huge emotional story and Ramda sat quietly listening you know probably perhaps for a similar duration 10 minutes of and I think all Ramda said to them is I hear you and then she kind of said again yeah but you're not listening you know this 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 happened and then very gently said I hear you and in that same way he was not adding to her uh, to that person's emotional story, um, the same way as Eckhart, you know, sat silently listening. So there's there's not one way to do it. You know, you, you can respond, but um, but responding with presence um, that's something um, I often say to people when I'm on the receiving end of a text message where someone is is sharing a story or a difficult time they're going through. I quite often say I hear you, you know, in my written response, or I verbally sometimes say I hear you. Um, and there's, uh, but this is kind of reaffirming that sense of not adding to their emotional story, and and perhaps you can embrace your own sort of man, you know, your own what's comfortable for you. Um, it's not a sort of robotic process where you stand and be present as they're talking and going on, you know, um, you can include whatever feels comfortable for you. You, you, you know, you can still be yourself. You can still um, in, incorporate that into being, into giving a non-emotional response to somebody, uh, such as saying, you know, I, I really hear what you're going through. I, I hear that, you know, and uh, I'm sure there's many other ways that you can respond in a non-emotional way that that um, that cultivates a present space or spaciousness uh, within that person where you're not adding an accelerant you know another log to the fire of the emotional story you're holding it gently in a compassionate space in whatever words you share with that person I feel that and those words will naturally come from you, um, whatever words that uh, 
that are often said or shared that, you know, that will come from that space um, and then uh, finally last we moved on to triggers as well and recognizing um, what can trigger our own pain bodies and Eckhart gives uh, quite a few examples of certain events that people have go through in their lifetimes and um, and perhaps that can also we can reflect upon that ourselves of you know perhaps a certain major event we've been through major difficulties or traumas um, that we can reaffirm um, in our awareness that yes this is a trigger for pain body uh, you know if, as I was reading that about you know somebody with financial difficulties or financial problems that their parents have been through then that triggers them as they get older it feels like that's something within me as well about you know there's something about um there's something about you know people who own property landlords and landladies who own you know or persons who own properties and hire you know rent them out there's a perhaps there's a reaction in me that you know there's a greed for money there's all this money being made and of course it's not it's not a truth you know in some maybe there's some people out there who own property who rent them out who overcharge or who try to make as much much money as possible who you know buy more properties and you know there's a sense of more i want more money more money but it's it's it may not be of course is not the case for everyone for some it's their main source of income um, to have that it's uh, but there's something in me that reacts to it perhaps you know it's part of my pain body uh, when it comes to something to do with renting <laughs> so um, that's something um, for me to reflect upon as well and process gently um, it may not be like a direct working and figuring out it's a lot of it is just giving it, giving it awareness and allowing it to process within us. Um, hmm. um, and just to read about, um, you know, um, every time, this is towards the end of this passage here, um, every time you are present when the pain body arises, so whenever you're you're able to catch the pain body as it arises some of the pain body's in ne negative emotional energy will burn up as it were and become transmuted into presence um, and the rest of the pain body will quickly withdraw and wait for a better opportunity to arise again that is to say when you are less conscious And I'll just uh, end, end with reading the final line of the passage um, titled Triggers. So this is the final sentence there. Uh, Eckhart says, The pain body needs your unconsciousness. It cannot tolerate the light of presence. So, so I'll leave it, leave it there. And I feel... Uh, <laughs> uh, so that was quite a quite a lot of reading there, but it felt it felt good to uh, to to continue the flow of those those three passages together, and I think the rest of them, of course, are going to be closely related to breaking three of pain body.
breaking three of this you know egoic conditioning emotional energy um and you, perhaps you can tell in my voice that i feel quite tired and quite quite drained as well i um but it was it was i'm very grateful i was able to record tonight it means it, it means a lot to me to uh, recording this you know it's it's for me personally it's a it's uh it's me helping myself in this way it's by no means i've said this before it's no, by no means you know me teaching anyone or being a source here this is this is um me learning me working on myself um alongside you um at a very you know it was almost like a peer support i see it that way um so um, and it's uh, it's quite uh, I'm very grateful there is a space for this where I'm able to help myself and also share it where um, other people who are listening you know you are on your journey and you know we're doing this together uh, uh, of course we are indifferent we are in our own sort of um, in some ways although we are connected there is also our own personal um, journeys our challenges are our own unfolding into presence um i almost see this of you know almost like a big motorway or freeway um we're all heading in that direction but we may be in separate lanes <laughs> and you know um and different different locations on on the freeway as well or the motorway um so it's uh it's quite comforting to um you know to know that and when, when i do hear some feedback from from yourselves it's it's encouraging and I, i'm grateful for that as well okay so yeah it's a good place to to end here and yeah i feel uh quite rejuvenated reading that i feel that uh it's a, it's almost a bit of medicine for me especially during uh, this difficult time that I'm going through as well it's uh, yes so feeling very grateful uh, thank you so much for accompanying me for listening for for uh, walking alongside me on this journey into now and as always uh, I think I've forgotten my ending <laughs> what do I always say Perhaps it's not important, uh, as uh, as we learned in Ethel's story. Uh, perhaps instead I can say um, to take care, take good care of yourselves, and I will uh, speak to you again very soon. Bye.